Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Also, send us a note. Email address is info at gallerypodcasts.com. That's podcast with an S. Rachel, it is so lovely to see you today in your stripes, your beautiful Breton stripes. Well, it's kind of warmer in Brooklyn suddenly, which is such a nice reprieve because it has been freezing, like kind of weather where you don't want to ever leave your home, right? Philly too, right? Yeah, it's going to hit 60 on Friday. I'm shocked. I don't know where all this snow is about to go. I feel like I'm strategizing about so many plans for this weather on Friday, actually. I'm like, we got to get out and soak it up because we get this one blip of warmth. I was just going to ask what your plans are, but let's save it for the royal refreshment. What are we talking about about the royals today? Well, we are thrilled to welcome royal expert Afia Hagen to the podcast. She joins us from the UK to talk all about the reaction to the health news for Kate, Charles, Fergie, we wanted to hear what is going on and what the reaction is over there. We're also talking about Harry and Meghan popping up in Jamaica. This was such a fun surprise. We have a Diana flashback to 1995, Eugenie at Paris Fashion Week, and so much more. And now it's time for the Weekly Royal Cocktail. Before we get into all of that and our lovely chat with Afia, we always save time for a royal cocktail. So today I whipped up my famous old fashioned. I'm saying famous as a joke because <laughs> I've just now perfected the recipe. I've had all the ingredients for a long time. Tell me. So I'm swapping out the simple syrup for a more healthy version agave syrup, which I had actually in my pantry. I was happy to see. So I was like, oh, perfect. I can just do it really quickly. Otherwise, I'd have to like make the simple syrup. And then we used buffalo trace whiskey, and I don't know anything about whiskey, but that's what we had on hand. Orange peel. That's really it. I think some water. You add like a, t- a teaspoon of water, and it was delicious. So I made some on Saturday, and and even Dave was impressed, and he's kind of a whiskey snob. So that's amazing. What are you drinking? Well, my drink is also something whiskey-based, but this is a reference to something I went to as a total wonderful night out last night. Um, M.M. Lafleur invited me to this cocktail party in Brooklyn, and as you walked in, Roberta, they took your coat and put a hot toddy in your hand. Like It was oh. like super piping hot, so it's whiskey, honey, boiling water, and lemon juice and you garnish it with ginger or like a cinnamon stick. That's actually so easy to make too. That's not that many It's so easy and it was just the loveliest hostess welcome kind of where you just you, you could go get a different drink upstairs but to have something piping hot when it is still a little chilly outside and I thought it was apropos for this episode because it is known to be a cold flu cure like non-medicinal oh the health news (laughs) for the all the health news i know it's not related to the cold and flu what we're talking about but i thought we needed something that would you know help our listeners help us as we navigate the winter season and charles could use a hot toddy yes i'm I'm sure deserved but how are you how was your weekend 
I'm good. I just wanted to ask what your plans were because you said you hadn't been making some plans for the oh, warmer weather. But just um, for this one day blip. Oh my gosh. Well, after work, I am taking my son to a play date with a new friend from Aww. school. But then um, we have a babysitter on Friday night, and we're actually really debating. I don't know if you and Dave have this debate ever of like, do you go to your tried and true favorite restaurant because you like being like at a place, for lack of a better term, from Cheers, like where everyone knows your name, or do you try something new? <laughs> Uh, we always have this debate, always, and right? I'm always on the team of try something new. You and Matt, I'm always on the team of let's go where they love us and and pour tall drinks for us and like, <laughs> but and it's also like a few blocks away that kind of thing. But Matt's like, let me do some research before I already made a reservation for our local spot. But he's like, let me do some research. Fun. We're actually going out to dinner Friday night too. It's our. This is. I always roll my eyes and I like hate that we even call it, but it's our dating anniversary. I love this. Six years we've been dating and yeah, we're going out to dinner. Six years. It's gone by so fast. I remember when I first met Dave. He's just such a gem. I love Dave. I need to see him soon. It's been too long. He actually gets a mention later in the episode. So we'll be talking more about him. Don't worry. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. (laughs) We are going to sip our cocktails and read this lovely email from self- titled West Coast Fan. They wrote us and said, quote, I'm an American with British roots married to a Norwegian. I lived in Norway for 11 years. And while your podcast is my outlet for British royal fandom, your last episode revealing that the Danish royal family had your heads turning perked me up. The Scandinavian royals are certainly more toned down than the British, but their stories are interesting. They continued, I'm doing an old photo digitization project and just happened upon a 2008 newspaper article about the crown prince of Norway when he was engaged to Met Merit, his now wife. I can't believe I still have this. Met Merit had to apologize on TV for her wild ways before they got married and said she wishes she could make those choices again, but can't. The prince looked at her and asked, how can I not love this person? This dear listener says that this moment for them held echoes of Charles and Camilla's love story, especially that dramatized part that we just saw on the last season of The Crown, where Charles and Camilla were basically made to make atonement during their wedding ceremony. I know you remember this, Rachel. Mm -hmm. So West Coast fan writes us and closes with, I would never deny William and Harry's lasting pain, but I'm also now fine with moving on and enjoying Charles and Camilla's future. This is such a lovely note. Thank you for writing us in, by the way. I wanted to fact check the Camilla and Charles stuff again because I couldn't remember if we did this with Sam and our crown part two recap, but they really did, quote, earnestly repent. Those were the words they said in the St. George's Chapel Archbishop of Canterbury preside over their civil ceremony in April 2005. They said they earnestly repented for their manifold sins and wickedness. I saw this too. I also wanted to Google it after I saw this listener note and confirm, did that actually happen? And it did. Yeah. So crazy. How do you feel about it? I still feel like it's just this like public and even in a private setting, like a wedding, this shaming. And I get that Charles is head of the Church of England, or he is now, you know, and at that moment, the Queen was, and it's a huge part of their duty. But it still feels a little bit icky for me. Yeah, public shaming almost. This is what the prayer reads. We acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness, which we from time to time most grievously have committed by thought, word, and deed. It's just so serious. Mm -hmm. I think that's why it just doesn't feel like it belongs at a wedding. And I do feel a little bad for them now that they had to do this. But I think at the time, too, a lot of people felt like they should. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. With everything with Diana. I will say Norwegian royals, Danish royals. I like that this person called it out because the drama we... 
I saw this headline, which I don't know if you noticed this, but we need to sneak it into this episode that they are making a Danish version of The Crown all about Queen Margrethe. I did see this and I'm really excited. I feel like I was also like, how do we access this? Because it's not like on something super universal like Netflix, but we, Row Row Community, we will figure it out. It's titled Off Goods Nade. I just butchered that, but it's in English by the grace of God. And it's made by the team behind the hit Danish noir thriller Borgen. So we know that the production value is going to be pretty high for this one. I'm so excited to watch. So excited. If we can. Ugh. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it so out. So fun. Keep writing us in. We love hearing from you, and we want to know your thoughts about all the royal news. And now, this week in royal history. All right, moving on. This week in royal history, flashing back to January 30th, 1995, when Diana took the stage at the CFDA Awards at Lincoln Center to present her friend, the editor-in-chief of Harper's Bazaar at the time, Elizabeth Tilbaris, with an award for her magazine accomplishments. Elizabeth had been the editor-in-chief of British Vogue from 1988 to 1992 and was credited with giving, not only being Diana's friend, but giving her a lot of help with defining her look during that time period. I love this. Diana flew in that morning on the Concorde. It was her fifth visit to the U.S. that year, and speculation was rampant that she might decide to move. Buckingham Palace even issued a statement denying it. She had obviously been separated from Charles since 1992. I actually want to play this clip but really tune into the crowd. There's someone that yells something to Diana at the start of her speech in honor of Liz. There were stars and supermodels, but they'd all come to see the world's most photographed woman. And to revel in the rumor that she might come here more often. The suggestion from the gallery moved to New York. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm immensely proud to be here in New York tonight with you all to be giving this award to a lady from my own country who is also a dear friend and whose talent and courage has been an inspiration to us all. Ladies and gentlemen, Liz Tilberis. I love that someone yelled, move to New York. I thought that was so great hearing that newscast. I think this is one of my favorite looks of Diana's, too, with that oh my the gosh. sapphire choker and that dress. It's just the slip dress. It feels so modern. Yes, the Catherine Walker crepe dress and the sapphire and diamond choker. That was a gift from the queen mother at her wedding, at Diana's wedding. And I actually love this because we talk about John Travolta coming up, that Diana actually wore that same choker to that dance at the White House. With Travolta. With Travolta. But, you know, I think just looking at this event, it's fascinating to see the turnout. Calvin Klein was there, Claudia Schiffer, Fran Drescher. She recently talked in an interview about how she met Diana backstage and said to her, when the history books are written, you'll be the heroine of the story, which made me laugh about like to compose a line like that when you're meeting a celeb. It's like a lot of pressure. I thought that was great that she came up with something. It was definitely thought of before, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, definitely. And Donna Karen summed up the night perfectly to Women's Wear Daily. When she was asked how it was to meet Diana at the event, she said Diana was like a queen, mm. which I feel like is apropos. I just I love looking back at the last few years of Diana's life because I do feel like she was so empowered and really coming into her own. And, you know, it always makes us think of how tragic the loss was, but because she had really found her footing and, you know, she was in her 30s and her prime of her life, for sure. 
in her power suit era. I always yes. like to think of that string of like suits that she wore throughout New York too, and the briefcases and all of that. Yeah, Just felt very like she owned the stage at that moment for sure. I did want to talk about while on the subject of Diana this piece. I don't know if you saw it's reported by Jesse Green in the New York Times and makes the argument. Oh, I was just going to bring this up. Okay, good. I'm glad you're talking about it. Yeah, that Diana is now feeling more alive than ever. And it feels like her life has kind of entered the public domain where, you know, on the heels of season six in The Crown, which I think was the impetus for the story and how much she was featured, but also Spencer, Diana the Musical. There's another play in Canada right now. I saw that Diana and Dodie that was off, 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 off Broadway (laughs) some random Monday night last year. I think it's just this question of like, is, you know, if artistic creations get copyright protection for 95 years, should we take a break from so many Diana depictions and let her actually rest in peace for he rounded up 100 years? What do you think about that? Yeah, the title of the article is Leave the Poor Princess Alone. And then the subtitle says less than 30 years after her death, fictional reincarnations are everywhere, but even icons deserve more time to rest in peace. And I like how he's saying that we shouldn't have this like almost trauma porn around Diana so much. And it's it does make me feel really icky when he recounts even the like more awful depictions like the Broadway one. Oh, I gosh, just feel yeah. like that was so, so, so bad. And her in like a, a boxing ring and things like that. It's just I do think he's right. I think we need to leave her alone for a while. I think what's hard is it just has tarnished the facts so much with all these varying fictionalizations, because I think about quotes from her friends in recent times where they've said how she herself would be horrified to see the representations right. of her. So it's something to think about, I guess. But Yeah, it is. All right. Should we move on to our news update? So before we get into our interview with Afia, we are going to cover some of the things that Harry and Meghan have been up to recently. So we saw Harry twice, once on the red carpet last week for the Living Legends of Aviation Awards. He was one of four inducted into the Living Legends of Aviation Hall of Fame. Megan was supposed to be there, but this is interesting. People got the update that she had canceled last minute because one of their children was sick. Does that ring true for you, Rachel? Oh, my gosh, Roberta, you know it. How many times have I had to cancel? It's just like a running joke. Like, Finn is always sick. It's unbelievable. It's my brother and sister-in-law, too. Like, always, always, always the kids and illness this time of year. It's just devastating for parents. It takes over. (laughs) But she was able to get away last night when they both, Harry and Megan, stepped up out for the premiere of Bob Marley One Love Movie in Kingston, Jamaica. I mean, were you shocked? I was shocked to I see was them shocked. in Jamaica. I texted last night. you. <laughs> I was like, what? how did they sneak down there without anyone knowing? I just I feel like this is what they really were striving for all along was to have the privacy to be able to do the things they want to do and not be caught on the tarmac of a runway or, you know, en route to the airport. It's just, it's so interesting. Megan was wearing that Carolina Herrera full skirt, the maxi skirt, which I believe reportedly is custom bespoke skirt. Stunning. Looks like a bodysuit, spaghetti strapped, black, all black. Very low key, very kind of, it's almost like don't look at me a little bit. Like I think the full skirt says otherwise, but the all black is a little more muted. And the last time we saw them, was, it, I had to look this up, but the, their last public date night was that hockey game in Vancouver, which was all the way back in November wow. of 2023. So it has been a really long time since we've both seen them step out. I'm very jealous that they saw the Bob Marley One Love movie. The ads look so good. I, I wish we could have our producer like pump in like 
we're jamming. <laughs> we're jamming. <laughs> no, right, right. Get that vibe going. Yes. I think we should have that. that we should have that here. happen. Yes, yes. But the movie looks so good. I want to see it so bad. It comes out actually on Valentine's Day, so February 14th. I guess I was just curious, though, I wanted to get your take on this. What was the significance of them popping up at this particular premiere? I feel like a lot of people are making connections. I know Jamaica is super meaningful for them as a couple. They supposedly attended a wedding there in 2017, right before they announced their engagement. Megan loved it, talked a lot about it on the TIG. I just was curious why this particular movie, what was the alliance? Was it the Paramount Picture CEO? What did you think? Yeah, Brian Robbins was there with his wife, Tracy James, who's a fashion designer. It could be those connections, because I think we know from that interview that Megan gave on the red carpet recently that she's they're really ramping up the show business aspect of their careers. They're going to be making movies. So it could be that Paramount Nickelodeon connection with the CEO there. I feel like that's why they maybe were invited. But it is so interesting because a lot of the headlines, too, are about, you know, they posed with Prime Minister Andrew Holness, the Jamaican prime minister, who we know recently had that kind of awkward conversation with William and Kate when they had the Caribbean tour, which we all know didn't go so well for them. And so I think it's it's a little awkward that they had these encounters like is the enemy of your enemy your friend? I know that's a very dramatic statement, but is, that's what that feels like, right? Yeah. And the overlap kind of, it's like worlds colliding always, though. It could just be that kind of thing. But I was trying to make those connections of what the relevance is and why they were there. I do like what you're saying, that we're going to start seeing them more on these red carpet moments. Do you think this means they could pop up at the Oscars? I don't know. That would be amazing. The only connection I saw with them in the Oscars was that Misan Harriman, who's such a good friend of Megan's, we know his short film was nominated for an award, which is really big news. And she did host that talk with him. She moderated it. But I think that they are really going to be selective about this. I feel like Harry's a big Bob Marley fan. They met. There seems like there's a friendship. There was was a definite friendship. And I think they like hugged members of the family, shook hands. So I think it definitely is where the causes lie that that are closest to their heart that it seems like they'll be showing up. But but yeah, this felt, felt so unpredictable at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Well, very, very exciting to see her. I was trying to find a moment to insert my anger over the lack of Barbie nomination. So I'm just going to say that here and then we can move on. <laughs> I think this is the perfect moment. And it is so, so frustrating that a movie covered in pink is not taken seriously. Yes. And now our lovely chat with Afia Hagen. Roros, we have the absolute pleasure of welcoming Afia Hagen to the pod this week. Afia is a royal commentator and award-winning journalist. You might have seen her on ITV's This Morning, Good Morning Britain, Talk TV, the BBC, CTV, CNN, to name a few. We asked her to join us for a debrief on the royals in light of the massive health announcements from not two, but now three members of the royal family. It's really hard to believe. Let's get into it and a warm welcome to Afia to start where you phoning us from? I'm actually in Glasgow. I was supposed to be in London, but I am in Glasgow, a fleeting visit to see my mum who is unwell, but thankfully is recovering. So this is a nice little respite to step out and do something, something not hospital related for a few minutes. 
Even though we're going to be talking about some health news here. I know, I feel right? Like it's... <laughs> My mum is the fourth royal who has yes. announced some health issues this week. <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. We wish her a speedy recovery. Yes, well. We do. Okay. We do. But yeah, it's been a kind of a wild week. It really took a surprise last week. And I'm sure similarly for a lot of people that were covering it in the UK, the Princess of Wales will be in the hospital for two weeks for this abdominal operation, then out of work for months. Then we also got the news that King Charles is undergoing surgery this week for an enlarged prostate. And then on top of that, Prince William is set to stay mostly by Kate's side and will be taking a break from work. So we wanted to hear from you. How is the UK reacting right now to this royal news, this kind of gap in seeing the senior members of the family, so many? Well, first of all, it was a massive shock, actually. This time last week, wasn't it? It was last Wednesday when we had the announcement that Princess of Wales had had that abdominal surgery on the Tuesday, planned surgery, but it was obviously planned in relation to something that had been discovered over the past days or weeks because she did have a full diary for January, February and into March. You know, there was talks of the Prince and Princess of Wales going to Italy on a royal tour and also they were going to be supporting our troops abroad at a location that hadn't been revealed yet. So of course they had things in the diary. So it was planned in response to something. We don't know what that something is. Perhaps the Princess of Wales will talk about it in time if it's something that she feels could be a suitable campaigning issue, perhaps. 90 minutes after we had the statement from Kensington Palace, we had Buckingham Palace announcing King Charles III in large prostate. They say that he wanted to raise awareness around the condition, which is why we have these details, so to speak. And actually, people googling this particular health condition on the NHS website went up something like 101%. So definitely having that effect. But yes, all the newspapers going wild the next day. And of course, the court of social media alike trying to figure out what is happening with the Princess of Wales. I think because in that statement, we did have a certain level of detail, you know, what hospital she was in, uh, how long the stay would be, 10 to 14 days, that she wouldn't be back doing any royal engagements until after Easter. And then, you know, herself, kind of at the end, we kind of sort of heard from her apologising for cancelling events, you know, hopes they can be reinstated in time. We did get a certain level of detail, which makes people want more, right? So yeah, everybody's like, what is it? Is it this? Is it that? Let's be honest. Anybody who's in hospital for 10 to 14 days, that's quite a long stay. That is quite a yeah. long stay mm-hmm. in these modern days and times, as it were. So we don't know what we're looking at. And of course, everybody wants to know. So a huge reaction, certainly. Yeah. I mean, I think we were also curious, you know, just with the absence of Kate in particular, Charles's vision of this slimmed down monarchy now feels really slim. I think, Kate. Yeah. you know, we've seen a lot of headlines in this direction, too, where just the amount of work that Kate carries in her royal role is so huge. And you feel the absence of people like the Sussexes, that's been mentioned, things like that. And then William also taking a backseat. How does that playing out? What is the reaction there? I think the king needs to be careful when he's going for the slim down monarchy because we're literally on skeleton staff, right? Yeah. The phrase can't get the staff applies to this particular farm because you've got literally, you, you know, out of your top four execs, the top four who are in charge, as it were, three of them are out of action. And that leaves Queen Camilla to carry the burden. We've seen her in a couple of royal engagements. You know, when she's asked about the king, she's like, yeah, he's doing fine. But then you're going to see the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh out on manoeuvres. 
possibly princesses Beatrice and Eugenie. But what this does make the monarchy and the farm look is old. Mm. And I mean, Kate and William are not that young. They're my age. So I don't even know what I'm saying about myself, but do you know what I mean? <laughs> I know, me too, me too. Exactly. If you remove them from the equation, you've got a bunch of old people left, haven't you? Who yeah. are the most senior royals, who are the ones that are going to be out on those engagements. And if you want a slim down monarchy that leads to modernity, no offence, having all these older members of the royal family isn't necessarily the way to do that. So maybe it is time to bring in a Princess Eugenie, a Princess Beatrice. Maybe maybe it's time we see some of these younger royals stepping up and filling those roles because there's no understudies. Where are the understudies? Like if this was Hamilton and Eliza's <laughs> out, there's another Eliza. There's another mm -hmm. Hamilton. Somebody yeah. stepped up. The alternates. Where are exactly. they? Exactly. Where are the understudies? Yeah. And yes. that's you know, and that's what people are going to be left asking. Because remember that when they are doing these royal engagements, the charities really do benefit from the boost that they get from the press coverage mm -hmm. from those royals coming to see them so there will be charities thinking yikes you know we, we we could have done with that bit of publicity we could have done with that boost and you don't necessarily want to let these people down obviously anybody who's in a family emergency and having gone through that in the past 24 hours anybody people will understand but they of will course. also be like you know this is the royal family there's tons of you guys need to wheel not wheel some people out of retirement actually that's opposite of what i'm saying look at who else is around who else could be relevant who else puts in good work and let's start seeing them yeah because there's such a big gap too before we see george or charlotte take over you know take any royal duties officially exactly. so it'll be a long time well mentioning that slim down monarchy you know we're going to be seeing a lot of queen camilla a lot of princess anne the duke and duchess of edinburgh they're going to be front and center do you feel like the royal beat covering that is going to shift around this time do you feel like royal correspondents will take this as maybe a welcome chance to lie low for a little bit or will it be this wall-to-wall -wall coverage of every move of anne and camilla's doesn't hit like a Kate appearance. <laughs> I love the Prince Edward the turtle, like meeting the really ancient turtle. Did you see that? That I mean, that was fascinating. Yeah. But it does feel like that's where what's going to fill the void. Honestly, Prince Edward and a, and a turtle. Come on, guys, it's not going to sell any papers. This is the thing: <laughs> is that the Q word on the royal beat. If you say, and I've done it before, oh, it's kind of quiet. And then the next day, literally, the proverbial hits the fan. I am not joking when I say, <laughs> I've done this twice. The first time I did it was the day before Queen Elizabeth II passed away. Oh and I was gosh. recording a new royal podcast with a, a few other people on the royal beat. And we'd just seen the Queen meeting with Liz Truss. And everybody was like, oh, you know, she's looking kind of frail. But no, you know, she we, she's still got some life in her. You know, we'll definitely see another Christmas with the Queen. It's going to be kind of quiet. <laughs> you jinxed it. And then the second time I did it was last week on... Tuesday, when I was having a discussion with a royal editor <laughs> and he was talking about the Prince and Princess of Wales going on this trip to support our members of the military abroad. And they were like, well, I mean, we'll probably cover that and then we'll be kind of quiet. 
You know, you're making us laugh because we also said that right yeah, ahead of the Wednesday do. news. Roberta and I were <laughs> brainstorming and we're like, oh, gosh, I think it's kind of going to be a quiet month. So you're right. Hey. It's maybe something we should never utter ever, out loud. Ever say. So, but I think the beat will, like, I mean, the beat will kind of shift and cover who is around, who is doing things. I mean, today we've seen Harry and Meghan pop up at the Bob Marley premiere in Jamaica. Um, and everyone's like, how did they get into Jamaica without anybody noticing? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of that about. Also had Sarah Ferguson, Duchess of York, talking about her battle with skin cancer, which she discovered. She's been talking about that at the end of last week. You know, we've talked a lot about that, but I think we will kind of shift and cover and see who is filling in on these royal engagements. But I mean, if it's Prince Edward and the turtle, it's not thrilling, is it? Yeah. It's not. It just doesn't hit like the Kate appearances for some reason. <laughs> and you know, they are going to miss some really big events. You know, we've got the BAFTAs on the 18th of February, which is always a big red carpet event. Six Nations rugby. I mean, I don't care about rugby, but lots of people do. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, there's, and there's investitures and things going on, which they're going to miss as well. These would be things we would definitely cover. So, unless Prince Edward is bringing a turtle to the BAFTAs. <laughs> Just a match. Which I think I would like to see. <laughs> I would be here for that as well. I definitely agree. But it is something we've been thinking about as well with the BAFTAs, Commonwealth Day, the mm. spring tours that they had planned. You know, what do you make of that? Do you feel like we will maybe see a straggling William appearance at the BAFTAs? Because I know he's so involved. Like, yeah. there's a lot that goes on in these upcoming few months. There is a lot that goes on in these few months, definitely. I mean, we may see Prince William at the rugby perhaps if there's a trophy ceremony you, you're right we might see him at the BAFTAs I mean we've seen him visiting Kate once I have opinions on that. <laughs> there was a big eye reaction there for our listeners <laughs> yeah just once but I did see some feedback that he popped up over the weekend just not the visuals of it that he did bop over but maybe that's not accurate my hope is that there's a secret tunnel from like Windsor <laughs> to the London Clinic because let me tell you something, and I'm going to say the quiet part out loud. If I was in hospital and my husband came to see me once in four days, he's no longer my husband. I've said mm, yes, what yes. I have said. So hopefully we're just not Hot seeing takes. him visit every day for eight hours, read aloud and, and throw petals at her because this is mm -hmm. what I want. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Yes. But yeah, perhaps we may see him at singular events maybe commonwealth day but i think it definitely will be princess and the princess royal hardest working royal always notches up the most royal engagements for a reason i mean she gets the job done but i do hope we do see more of the younger royals you know beatrice and eugenie i mean i would like to see more of them wasn't she just at fashion week yes paris fashion week that was a fun surprise yeah yeah and Zara and Mike Tyndall have been in Australia living it up. So maybe they might roll mm. them out. But, you know, it's about who is a working royal. Yes. You know, and this mm -hmm. is the thing. If, like I said, if King Charles wants to go with this slimmed down monarchy, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have understudies and swings and people like that. Because it is about the work. It is, yeah. you know, giving that attention to these organizations that are that need that support too. Yeah. But it's also about the glamour. It's about the, you know, selling the papers, like you said. So it's hard when there's not a ton of people who do do that. So that's why... I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. We wanted to go back, though, to that news about Fergie, that really unfortunate news about the Duchess of York, because we heard that she did receive a second cancer diagnosis, this time for malignant melanoma. And of course, we're all wishing her a safe and swift recovery. 
But royal health, I mean, it's been all over the news. Do you think there's any sort of strategy around the timing of all of this? Is it a mm. way to diffuse attention across three separate topics? I think there's a few things at play. I think one thing is there has to be a certain level of honesty. When we're talking about the prince and princess of Wales, if one of them is sick and you, ha you have to start cancelling engagements, which was going to have to happen, that's why they had to tell us, because it will leak. And you'd rather that you, they need to get ahead of the curve. So let us tell you what is going on and then we can start cancelling everything and then we can start doing our diary. The same thing with King Charles III because he had engagements last week on Thursday and Friday. He was supposed to have people at Dumfries House, which included cabinet ministers. And therefore, they had to start cancelling them. So you have to, again, get ahead of the curve and let people know what's happening. And I think there's also a sense of with the royals that it's probably best if we just tell you what's going on with us to a certain extent that prevents the papers from trying to dig and find out their own thing. Let, again, let's get ahead of the curve and, and let's be honest and let's talk about what's going on with us and let's try and raise awareness of certain conditions in the cases of definitely Sarah Ferguson at the Duchess of York and King Charles III talking about, I mean, Sarah Ferguson has been very open about her breast cancer journey, saying that, you know, she's she's proud of the mastectomy that she has. She wears it like a badge of honour now. And King Charles III talking about having an enlarged prostate is very common in men over 50, you know, encouraging people to get checked. That's a great thing. Yeah, we've seen so much coverage of that actually and how to go about it for yourself. And I think that's really, really important. Really important. And again, with breast cancer and again with skin cancer, you know, she's saying that she actually found this or her dermatologist found it whilst going through her breast cancer diagnosis. And often that will happen to people. Mm -hmm. You know, they will have a dodgy mole and they just think, oh, it's just a dodgy mole. I've had it for ages. Encouraging people to get checked, I think is very, very important. It really cuts through. So I think in terms of the royal family, there is an impetus to do that. There's also an impetus of let us be honest and let us give you things so you don't go and dig for things. I think no one has forgotten what happened in 2012 when Kate Middleton was in hospital with severe morning sickness and you had that reporter that got the nurse on the phone. And she, you know, accidentally gave out all that medical information, which ended up in the papers. Mm. And then she unfortunately took her own life. We yes. do not want a repeat of such a horrible episode. So I think that's why there was a certain impetus to give us enough information. Do you feel like we will get any more information about Kate as time goes on? I mean, do you think that they will release any more details about her health? It's a really good question. I think that Kate will do it on her own time in her own way, if she feels it's something that she can campaign about and talk about and do some work around. I think that's the way that she may, may or may not tell us what has gone on. But I don't anticipate Kensington Palace releasing a statement that said, Kate had this, 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 and the other. I don't think they'll go down that road. They could surprise me, but I don't think so. You know, we, we talked about Harry and Meghan popping up at this Bob Marley premiere last night in Jamaica, and that was such a surprise. Do you think that they will step in and potentially fill some of this void? You know, we <laughs> talked about that lightly. Of course, it's not in a royal capacity, but perhaps mm. we'll be seeing more of them stateside. 
I think that the papers will fill the void by <laughs> putting them on the front and being like, Always Harry will. moves his left leg, how dare he? And there'll be like a whole <laughs> like four-page yes. dissection of like why his left leg is responsible for two-thirds of crime, you know? Yes. <laughs> and how Megan's right arm is responsible for all of the world debt and also yes. global yes. warming <laughs> the doomsday yes. <laughs> and the deforestation of argentina is because of megan's pinky i think there'll be a lot of that yes. around yes. a lot of that nonsense we've already seen yeah some of that. when harry was at the the aviation event last weekend it was like you know harry takes a selfie with a defunct prince whilst yes. his poor father is crying and not, no he's not he's not yeah. he's fine he's, he's fine he's dead <laughs> is fine yeah. he's still performing his constitutional function councils of state have not brought have not been brought in in any way shape or form and harry can take a selfie with whoever he wants i like the jazz hands there i know that i just had nice to touch. actually just need that so yes, more I, jazz hands in life exactly so i think there'll be a lot of that but you know, I remember at the end of last year, Meghan Markle was talking about the fact that they are working on more projects that we can expect more from them. And perhaps, you know, we might start seeing that over the next few weeks and coming months. And I'm sure that will be a real point of consternation for people just because, just because, you know? Because it's always, yeah, comparing in a polarizing thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. So I, I think there'll be a lot of that energy, which is really unfortunate. It is. Yeah. It is so great, though, to hear your point of view and just kind of what the thoughts are in the UK. And we, we're honored that you were able to join us and share some of this. And we hope you'll come back soon. Yes, please. Could talk to you all day, Afia. Thank you so much for joining us. And so our listeners can follow you on Instagram. It's at Afia the Scott. A-F-U-A, The Scott on Instagram. Where else can they keep up with you and your work? I'm also on Twitter. Please don't send me abuse. Thank you very much. <laughs> you can also find me on TikTok and LinkedIn. And you can Google me, but I don't advise it. Thank you for having me. Roberta, I am so thrilled that the stars finally aligned for her to join us on the podcast. That was such a wonderful chat. I love hearing the perspective of how people are reacting across the pond. I'm a major fan of hers, by the way. Yes. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. Before we adjourn the Royal Pod, our highs and lows. My low this week is just that Harry had to throw out one of his libel lawsuits. You can't win them all, right? He's had a slew of major win successes with some of these lawsuits against the Daily Mail, Associated Newspapers, the Mirror Group. But this one he dropped and he could owe over 300000 in legal fees for this. It was probably due to the judge ruling that the Daily Mail could use honest opinion as a defense. This was the story about Harry's security, and that was kind of a big blow to Harry's legal team. And so they dropped the case, but we'll have to continue to watch some of his other cases, which are still pending. Yeah, definitely. Milo is just the news about the Duchess of York, which we already talked about in this episode, and her malignant melanoma diagnosis. I just feel for her, I think, to have that on the heels of her breast cancer diagnosis. It's just a lot to go through back to back. I'm glad that she is using it to advocate for the routine check of moles. But I think that it's just piling on to a month of very scary health news from the royals. 
I'm glad that she's taken some time away and is in Austria recovering. I feel like that's such a serene yeah. place. So it sounds like a really lovely recovery, hopefully. All right, my high this week. Prince Harry, John Travolta, the friendship I didn't know I needed, but I do need. Here's a snippet from the award ceremony, Living Legends of Aviation. Thanks very much, Captain John. Thank you for running away. I was one year old, I was one year old when you uh, danced with my mum. <laughs> As you told everybody here, we continue to dine out on that probably every single day. Um, but look at us now, it's great. So if we're not going to dance together, we'll fly together. That's it, thank you. <laughs> His humor is always so great. Can I say though, when I saw in a headline form the word Harry accuses Travolta of dining out on his mom's like <laughs> dance or whatever, dancing with his mom, I was like, oh gosh, it reads so harsh because that is sort of an interesting phrase. But when you hear the clip, it's so lighthearted and fun. I feel like Afia touched on this too. The headlines around them are just yes, merciless. They really are. They really are. My high is all Eugenie at Paris Fashion Week. Did yes. you see her look, Roberta? She was at the Dior Homme menswear show dressed in head-to-toe Fendi. It's a particular photo of her just front row, the dark lip, the darker hair. The brows are so precise, and she just looks so striking. I want more of that. And I hope it was like kind of a mom's night out away from August and Ernie. I was doing some geography, how quick, you know, it is for her to detour to Paris between London and Portugal. So I love this. This was a high. I had to Google, though, what? why wouldn't she wear all Dior to the Dior oh, fashion know. show? I know. I did have that thought, too. And the, she, the Dior men's designer is the same as the Fendi mm. women's designer versus the Dior women's designer is a totally different what person. So it was very supportive detail. of her. And it is giving Devil Wears Prada. Devil Wears Fendi. It is. She just looks amazing. I want more of that. I feel like both the York sisters have really been just killing it on the fashion stuff. We need that when Kate is away. We definitely need the moments of glamour. Just a reminder before we close, please leave us a royal review. There's a really lovely one by About Progress. The title is Look Forward to It. They said, I love this show starting with the brilliance of its regular segments and the great guests. I actually find the show to be balanced and I like hearing about the Sussexes and the royal family alike. I've listened since 2020 and they gave us five stars. Thank you so, so much. Wow. Long-term fan. That's so lovely. Love more of these. So please leave a review if you feel so inclined. If you just have a free moment, we'd love it. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. And till next week, God save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.